Comic Book Characters is an uncensored podcast. You can follow the Comic Book Characters podcast on Twitter at Twitter handle CB Characters. Again, that's at CB Characters. Or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Neil Before Pod. You can also email us at cbcharacters at gmail.com. Hey everyone out there in the CBCU, this is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Alfred, and actually this week I'm not joined by my ever-loving gracious co-host, the invincible president and CEO of Snark Industries, Ignacio. Uh, He's on uh, adulting duty, I guess, is the best way to put it, but this week we do have a guest co-host, the funny man from Funny Townville. James Bosquez, sir, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, coming at you from Portland, Oregon. I don't believe it's ever been called Funny Townville, but uh, I'll bring that up to the the comics and see if that fits. Maybe the Board of of, uh, Tourism in Portland? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That could Uh, be a real winner, a real real home run. Yeah, we're going to have to... We have to campaign for that one. That's no, gonna be a little hard. That's uh, that's some Ted Cruz territory right there, probably. But, I, I uh, thought I thought Ig was the CEO of uh, Stank Industries. Ah, yeah, it's good, Mr. Stank. It's right here. Yeah. I uh, I've been trying to get that one to stick on him. Uh, moderate success so far, but hey, man. Uh, so for those listeners that have been with us from the very beginning, and I mean the very beginning, back in the Tango and Cast days. Uh, they may have recalled James being on the podcast previously. Uh, he's, of course, a comedian uh, now relocated out of Texas and, is, as he just said, in Portland, Oregon, uh, doing his funny bits up there. And um, But it's good to have you back, man. It's been a, a while, uh, but it's good to have you on. I know you're a big X-Men fan, and we're, of course, going to be covering X-Men Apocalypse. I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts. We've got a lot of different things to cover including a pretty robust uh, stop at Casting Corner as well. So let's just go ahead and get started. Uh, so we're a couple of weeks out now and uh, from X-Men Apocalypse. Now, it's not doing poorly numbers-wise, but also not as well as Days of Future Past. Taking that, uh, Not taking that into account, though, uh, James, I know you're a huge, huge X-Men fan. And, uh, like, especially what Nightcrawler and Beast are some of your favorite characters. Is that right? Yeah, those are the two that have always have always been my favorite. Um, yeah, people, you know, everyone was really excited about Civil War, which I was too, and that was a great movie. But, like, uh, I was exponentially more excited for this one. And I've just always been an X-Men guy. Uh, ever since I was a kid, just had the toys, watched the cartoons. It was just the perfect age for me to uh to, to get into all that so yeah how I was excited how spoiled were we as kids though because we grew up on fox kids uh cartoons where you had batman the animated series followed by x-men animated series i mean just back to back couldn't you couldn't do better than that i mean those are probably the two best comic book related cartoons of all time yeah uh, i mean now i mean i guess later the kids after us they had like Dragon Ball and Pokemon, maybe that's the closest thing. Yeah. As far as like, you know, quality cartoons. Yeah. But uh other than that, yeah, it was, it was, that was that was uh, hard hitters. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh and that 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 uh theme song for the X-Men. I was hated that Jubilee got her own little uh marquee. <laughs> yeah. I was oh, that was that was not necessary. So, <laughs> after I saw X-Men Apocalypse for, for no, I mean, one, I was like, I thought Jubilee was in this, and I was like, oh, wait, she's kind of in it. Um, but for no reason whatsoever, I came up with a really, really, really cheesy and ultra nerdy specific pickup line. You want to hear it? You're the All comedian, right. so let me try this one out on you. Tell me what you think as a, as a pickup line. Uh, it's, uh, your name must be Jubilee because, baby, you light up my life. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that might actually work out here in Portland. There's a lot of X-Men fans. Yeah. There's a lot of girls walking around wearing hoodies, Kitty oh, Pride wow. hoodies. Nice. Magneto hoodies I saw last night. Wow, really? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to use that one, but it gives yeah. me ideas for, for somewhere down the line. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so I have thoughts on X Men, of course. Uh, let me ask you this: since, since especially Nightcrawler is such a, a pivotal character for you, how do you feel uh, how they portrayed Nightcrawler in X Men Apocalypse? Like, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, I like the Michael Jackson jacket a lot. That was yeah. the Thriller jacket really added a nice touch to it. But no, I thought he was uh, really well done. It was a, a departure from the uh, Alan Cummings uh, uh, version. Right, from X2. X2. Yeah. From X2. Um, <clears throat> he seemed a little more uh, lost, and um, but which, which is good, though. Because I think that the uh, the original Nightcrawler was already pretty well, like, uh, I guess he was he was into his adulthood. This one, he just seemed like a kid. He's like a kid. He did, yeah, he didn't know what he was doing. Um, I liked him. I liked him a lot. And I, th- I felt like he... You know what? People are going to say a lot of negative things about this movie. And uh, there are definitely a lot of highlights. And uh, Nightcrawler was definitely one of them. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's a good a good way to, to talk about the film. Because it is... It's a lot of things, but I think you definitely could say it's it's most definitely uneven. It's an uneven film. It has highs and lows. And, uh, you know, ultimately, it seems like how they ended up treating Apocalypse, kind of what they did with that character, and the fact that they had Oscar Isaac. Yeah, that was know, weird. It's like, he's great. I mean, he's amazing. Uh, but it's like they didn't use him to his full potential. It was such a one-note portrayal of that character. It was kind of an odd choice at the end of the day for me. Um, I think more than anything, I was, so I really liked Nightcrawler and Quicksilver. They were highlights for me for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I also just kind of liked the kids, like the younger X-Men, uh, the students, any of their stuff, like, like when they, uh, and by the way, spoilers, cause we're not going to try to not spoil this at this point. Um, it's, it's been almost a month. Yeah. I think yeah. But like, uh, when they're like, when they steal the car, and like, just anytime they're like scheming around as kids, it felt very genuine and authentic to me. Like, yeah, that, that's how teenagers whole, are, you know. The like, whole scene where the the kids go into town to to watch Return of the Jedi, that that felt super authentic, and you know, just just kids cruising through town, and uh, I think that really showcased like the great casting they did for mm-hmm. for Jean Grey and Cyclops, and um, I don't know, I felt. Like there's parts of that. There's there's parts like that in the movie where it just feels right. Yeah, right. Exactly. You're, I'm right right on board with you. It's it felt like home. Like for the, like it felt like in uh, of that universe, but also very relatable in a way. Like yeah. you know what I mean? It's like it's yeah, it's these kids with these fantastic powers, but they're yeah, still like, kids. You know? Yeah. Night Nightcrawler's just you know walking out of the out of the theater, and it's like, well, you know, that probably wouldn't be normal, but it seems normal for this, this, uh, this movie. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like, again, liked, loved Quicksilver, loved Nightcrawler, loved the kids. Any stuff with them was great. Ultimately, I was pretty disappointed with Apocalypse. That was kind of a low light for me in terms of the characters that were available in this film. What what are your thoughts? What was like, what was a low for you within the film? Um, yeah, uh, uh, they never really, the opening sequence was was pretty lame um, with Apocalypse and like basically how he got buried and forgotten about. Um, I feel like just yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. Anytime Apocalypse was on screen, I was waiting for 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 them to get back to the X Men. Like I don't know, I just think that that character is so menacing and cool in the comics mm-hmm. that the way they decided to portray him, uh, they really just uh, and it didn't. It didn't ruin the movie. That's the thing. Like yeah. it was still, he was still. Um, you still kind of got the idea. Like, oh, he's trying to do. All right, I guess he's trying to take over the world. I'm not. Even, I'm not even really sure. Like at the end of the day, like what he was trying to do, which right. is, uh, I think, kind of is more of a testament to the writing. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, it's still it's cool for him to have his four horsemen, and uh, you know that was nice, but. Um, yeah, just, uh, the, the costume choice wasn't right. And his voice, I didn't feel was right. Uh, there's just a lot of things they could have done differently with him. Yeah. He, as much of a, as of a grand character as that is in the comics, he didn't seem grand to me in the movie. And he kind of reminded like me the, of, 
I like the idea that he had like multiple mutants' powers. Yeah, and how they explained it, right? Like that was good. Yeah, that was cool. That they they didn't. I felt like they could have done more with that than they did. And like the part where he just kind of like makes that guy part of the wall, and then the guy kind of gives like googly eyes. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, that was a low point for me. That was a low point. Um, that was in the trenches. I, you know, the thing for me is that Apocalypse came off to me like a cross between like a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers villain and like somebody out of like Stargate. Yeah, very much so. Like, yeah, people even before the movie came out, people were calling him Ivan Ooze. Yeah, which is never something you want to be compared to. <laughs> So. Unless, unless it's like you're so awesome, you've come back around and you're like touching Ivan Ooze from the other <laughs> side. Yeah, that's he's yeah he's pretty low on the uh, on the bar. Yeah, but okay. So, uh, was there any particular sequence that? And I I'm sure I think I might know what the answer to this is, but uh, a particular sequence that you thought really was outstanding within the film. Like, if, would you say that there's any sequence? in the film that is worth the price of admission just off of that alone. Well, because it's a pretty big film. It's a pretty big film. So yeah, I'm glad you asked this. Uh, I think the obvious one of course is the Quicksilver scene, right? Which is a retread from days of future past, but it's also amazing. Um, but my favorite scene in the entire movie, which is lifted straight out of the comics, the way they did the effect was perfect. And it was really the only moment that this character got to shine was when Psylocke pulled out her side blade. To me, like that was like my fanboy meter just like busted through. <laughs> like that was the coolest right. thing ever. She didn't really get to use it. Like she didn't like get to stab it in someone's head. But the fact that it came out and it looked perfect, it looked exactly how I imagine it would look at it if it was in real life. Like that thing, that was the coolest to me. And it was a short scene, maybe what? 20 30 seconds that it was out yeah but uh it was just to me like that was just like this is an x-men movie <laughs> you, that's right you can't you can't confuse it for anything else and then yeah. uh they've even late and i and i give him this i i really feel uh like so like was not given a lot to do obviously uh yeah, she did a whole lot but the costume was spot on costume was perfect the, and, the then, comic. and then yeah you're right her power was was spot on as well i wonder if that has to do with like uh, it's Olivia Munn, right? So I wonder, like, if they kind of condense that role because they're like, well, maybe Olivia Munn can't really act the way we need somebody to, you know. But I don't know, uh, or maybe they just didn't. That's possible. It's, it's I... also they just they crammed a lot of characters in. And yeah. to be honest, I'd rather have more Storm uh, character development than Stylock anyway. And I felt like they did Storm pretty well. So, yeah. you know, well, and, cut corners. and they so. left, they left Psylocke, you know, she got away at the end. Right. So she could be in something else later where they could maybe yeah. develop her further. Hopefully, um, kind of like wonder woman in BVS, like she's in it, not that much, but further down the road, you're going to get more kind of thing. Um, so what do you think, uh, where do you think the X-Men go from here? Like in terms of a movie franchise, do you, I'm hoping, well, first off, I'm hoping that, excuse me first off i'm hoping that they uh they keep the character the uh casting uh going forward especially with uh gene gray and uh cyclops i feel like those two actors um obviously sophie turner uh they're just right yeah perfectly cast um they seem like they're engaged in the characters uh which is something i can't say for jennifer lawrence in this movie and i really (laughs) hope that they just get rid of mystique oh yeah Mystique is like she's a tertiary character in the comics anyway. She's not even a secondary character. She's like down the totem pole, and I really don't know like why the X Men franchise has be like just become enamored with Mystique. She's a cool character. I understand she has she's cool. Been in, abilities. She's been in so many of the X Men movies in one way. She's or the in other. like every one, and it's like, <laughs> why? Why can't? Why is Psylocke getting you know two minutes of airtime and then? Mystique is always here. She's like I mean, a rogue. Rogue was in what? One movie? One and a half movies? <laughs> right. Gambit? Gambit was that Wolverine movie doesn't can't count. All these characters that could be getting more screen time. And for some reason, we're stuck with Mystique movie after movie. Yeah. She's and, had almost as many movies as Harry Potter at this point. I mean, she's. Yeah. And they never even really like go into like 
her comic background where she's Nightcrawler's mother and all that stuff. Like that's never even been touched. It's just, it's just, hey, we need a nice looking lady. I think they lucked into it with Jennifer Lawrence because she ended up becoming such a huge star with Hunger Games, right? And so that's that's why it kept centering back onto Mystique after yeah. first uh, new or was it new class or first class? Yeah, first class, but. Uh, but yeah, man, you're right. I have a lot of mystique fatigue as well. Uh, I think Jennifer Lawrence has some mystique fatigue. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure she's done, which I, is fine. Like, yeah, she's like a legit actress. She's she works with David. What's his name? Oh yeah, Russell. Like, she, I have no problem. She's got other stuff she wants to do. That's totally fine. I get it. But and that's and here's where I feel like they really missed out. Right? I feel like the writers and producers and director of X-Men Apocalypse really missed out because here's where they could have had true high stakes by killing off Mystique because Jennifer Lawrence obviously doesn't want to do any more of these. So don't, you know, she doesn't have any more. Her contract is up. It's going to be impossible to get her back. Go ahead and kill off the character and, and really do something that, that, that Marvel one thing that people complain about with the Marvel Studio films is that nobody dies, right? Well, here's your chance, X Men franchise, to really separate yourself and go, "Hey, look, you're the most popular character other than Wolverine that we've been messing with for six films. We just killed her." Yeah, they could have done it, and then that would have made Apocalypse a real threat too. On top of it, but, yeah, he he didn't really do he didn't do anything in this movie. Like he just he yelled at up. Like he yelled a lot. He I yelled guess. and he raised his arms. Sometimes, yeah. He got <laughs> he got Angel killed, which sucks. Um, that's about it. Although Archangel was pretty cool, also. Really, I I, I, I mean, I'm kind of happy you said that because I that was another low point for me. I feel like they, I don't know what they were doing with the Archangel character, but I didn't like any of it. I I thought I actually I like I just uh, Archangel is just um, he's always been. Even when I was a kid, I just always considered Archangel to be the coolest looking character. He is really cool looking, yeah. And so just the fact that they had the metal wings and though he didn't have the blue skin, but they still they got to as close as to having Archangel on screen as possible. Yeah. And uh, I, he's just he's just one of my favorite characters, and I just liked. It, basically, they would have to have totally screwed him up like they did with Apocalypse for me to hate him. You know, you bring up an interesting point because that is a lot of the the sort of feedback that this film has gotten, which is. Essentially, people are saying it is an ultimate fanboy, fangirl film uh, where if you've watched all the X-Men movies, if you've seen the cartoon, if you've read the comics, then there is a lot in this movie to enjoy and to geek out over. But if you're just a general audience member that maybe saw, you know, First Class or maybe just saw Days of Future Past or maybe just saw, you know, X2... Um, and just kind of pick and choose here and there that it, the movie's just kind of too all over the place and the characters aren't sharp enough uh, as a whole to really carry the film to where it's enjoyable. And, you know, I'm really curious. I really want to talk to some people. And I mean, the, the audience of this podcast isn't really the right audience either. But I want to talk to somebody who doesn't really watch these movies that much, but just happened to watch this one. I'm really curious what their take on it is, because I think. I think what you said is so um, poignant because you said, you know, they got Archangel on the screen and he's pretty close to what you wanted, um, which just shows like the fanboy part of it seemed to work out okay. But I just don't know as a film on its own if it really stands yeah, up. Yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, Extra and First Class was a great, I think that's the best one of at least of these tro this trilogy. Mm-hmm. And it was a great movie, but there was a lot of characters you didn't really care about other than, like, maybe Havoc and Banshee. Um, uh, Beast was cool, too. But a lot of characters, like, you know, the, 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 the villains weren't really they – were, they were all, you know, uh, C-list villains. And then, the, you know, they actually made up – seemed like they made up some of the X-Men in first class. Yeah. So while that movie was excellent and well done – you didn't have the emotional attachment to the characters. Right. In this one, you kind of do the trade-off where, yeah, the movie's not tight. And it's not as well-written. But you, every character on the screen, you're like, ah, I've always wanted to see that guy. Right. And you, know, you kind of got that. It, it filled that uh, satisfaction. So That's true. That's true. And I guess that's a, that's a delicate balance. And maybe, uh, maybe Days of Future Past is kind of the middle ground between the two. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, 
I, I'm really curious what they're going to do next. Obviously, they're going to lean heavy Deadpool for sure. Um, I wonder if they're going to try to incorporate some of these. But it's kind of hard, like, because if, if this movie takes place in the 80s, you, you know, it's, obviously they'll probably go 90s for the next one. But yeah, De- Deadpool, Deadpool is set in now, right? Like current time. So I don't know how they're going to do that. They can always do time travel stuff if they really want to, especially if you bring cable in. Like that's you can do anything at that point. Yeah. Um, and if they have a good writer, you can you know, you can kind of do anything. But I'm really curious what they do next with these particular characters. I, I think I'm on board with you. I think if they can keep the core of the younger characters that they introduced here, uh, keep Quicksilver, keep Nightcrawler, keep Cyclops, keep Jean Grey, and then maybe add a couple of more in the next one and kind of go from there. I'd like to touch just on a couple other high points. Yeah. This movie, I really did enjoy this movie. Uh, uh, another one was uh, Cyclops. I think they did Cyclops really well, and he actually got screen time and character development, and which is James Marsden Cyclops. Um, I don't think I ever cared about that character, That's just, which is why... When he died in X-Men The Last Stand, it was like, what? What? He's dead? All right, I guess. Yeah, what? died off right. screen, too, which is a yeah. more, which is such a sin in screenwriting, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so the Cyclops character was done well. And then also, you knew this movie was for fanboys when they did uh, the Weapon X scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that was... With the costume? With the helmet? Yeah, That's the perfect... Cool. It looked exactly like he was pulled out of the pages of the comics... Uh, Hugh Jackman didn't even have to act because he didn't really say anything because he was all under the influence of the Weapon X program. Ooh, nerd alert. Uh, so he just got to run around and stab a lot of people, and that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a video on the internet somewhere where, where they count how many people Wolverine has killed throughout the X-Men films <laughs> compared to all the other X-Men, and it's like it's like a 1,000 and something to like 26. <laughs> or It's pretty crazy. Um that's good. I mean, I liked it. My mom, I, so I saw it with my mom, and she really, really loved the Wolverine scene. You know, because she was like, oh, Hugh Jackman. Like, she got really excited. Yeah, yeah. But she also loved the Quicksilver scene. I, uh, you know, I don't want to belabor that too much because, I mean, everyone talks about that scene. But they did a great job. They they knew it was going to be an important scene that people were going to, you know, talk about. And it was really, it was really great. Long, it was a long scene, too. It was, yeah. it was a good, what, three minutes, maybe? I think, like, yeah, I feel like half of the budget of the film was just that scene. <laughs> and that also might explain why Apocalypse looks the way he does. Uh, they might have ran out of some money by when it came time to, to get his... And let's, let's also just, in comparison, as far as, like, trilogies go, uh, this movie compared to X-Men The Last Stand, I mean, it's just... It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's exponentially better. And yeah. Even although if it's weak in some places, yeah, it, it's. Although X Men: The Last Stand, as much as I hated it, and mostly because of the way it ended, and they killed off characters, you're like, why did that person die? Uh, let's also remember that it did have uh, Juggernaut and 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 Multiple Man and Kitty Pride. So you know what? I think you can still pull something out of bad movies, and that's that. Oh, they still have the characters that I care about and the characters I love. And that's what this movie did really well. That's true. That's true. And and not only that, well, at least if they're up on screen in a moderately plausible way that's close to the character that you actually think. Yeah. You know, so maybe not, not, talking, apocalypse. not talking Deadpool at the end of Wolverine. There you go. Wolverine Origins. Right. Yeah. So another movie that has come out and um, that's. I mean, it's got comic roots, of course, uh, and, and but most people know of it from the cartoon. Is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two Out of the Shadows? Um, I actually was able to see this film. I took my little sister to see it. She's twelve, and uh, I don't want to spend too too much time on it because I, I know you haven't seen it yet. But um, what I did want to say is that uh, it, it's funny because like what you're saying about X Men, I think holds true for a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too, which is they they show these characters. We get to see Rocksteady and Bebop for the first time on screen. And uh, they look great, and they act great. It's like the cartoon. It is straight up like the 80s, 90s cartoon on screen. And that's great. And even the turtles are pretty good. Uh, but the story itself was just like, I, I don't know. There wasn't a lot to it. That being said, my 12-year-old sister loved it. 
And so I that's think I think that's kind of one thing we have to keep in mind with any of these films is that who is the target audience? You know, uh, yes, the nostalgic factor and all of that, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we grew up with that. But they're also, this is a kid's film. Like, it's it's for families and for kids. So if it seems a little, like, wacky or like, like Baxter Stockman in this movie is insane it's he's such a tyler perry right yeah it's tyler perry he's such a caricature of a human being that is it's like distracting and off-putting to me but like my, my little sister loved it you know so i think that's one thing that all of us like adult you know critics and reviewers or whatever anybody with an opinion on the internet i think we I lose think, sight of I that think... sometimes I think you might be using the word adult uh, kind of loosely. Okay, cause... well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we they haven't yet come up with like an internet slang term for what we are. <laughs> I don't know what we are. Yeah. Um, I well, wanted to see Crank's in there? Crank? I mean, that's cool. Yeah. He's got the bodysuit. It's That's pretty cool. I, I want to see this movie. Uh, the thing is, one, I can't find anybody to go with me to see it. Right. And two, I don't want to pay money to see it. Also fair. And three, I don't want to get caught sneaking into the movie. <laughs> I feel like that would be the ultimate embarrassment. To have well, some 16-year-old kid like, Sir, are you sneaking into Ninja Turtles? And what, what am I going to say? No, I'm, I'm going to go see Neighbors 2. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you see Krang? It looks like Krang. You got the Technodrome? I mean... What? There's... Oh, did I... I'm spoilers again. But you didn't yeah, know that? Yeah, these are spoilers for me now. I, I'm a, I, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Is Shredder actually in the movie? That'd be, that would be nice for Shredder's once. Shredder's in it. Casey okay. Jones. All right. It. I mean, they really pull a lot of characters. But the, it's just the story is... I don't know. The story's just not there. Here's another reason that you'll probably want to see it. And this is totally spoilers, but whatever. Uh, the film opens with them going to a Knicks game. And so there's some NBA players in this movie. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, I think I saw J.J. Redick, if I'm not mistaken. In the nice. Maybe DeAndre Jordan. Uh, wait, so, wait, wait. So you're saying that the story isn't great. Are you saying that it can't meet up uh, to the, pre- the the precedent set by... The Secret of the Ooze? <laughs> it's, I don't know. I No, oh, what I, I watched, I watched like literally three days ago, uh, Ninja Turtles 3, where they go back in time. Oh, and, man. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that once when I was a kid. And even then I was like, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm out. I've seen that movie more times than I should have. That uh, is which unfortunate. Is, Probably like nine. Oh, like, man. yeah, I, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. You're not getting those hours back, my friend. Yeah, I know. Um. But I'm just saying, there's not a whole lot of a history of, of Ninja Turtles movies having a, you know, Citizen Kane like plot lines. So. That's true. That's true. Uh, it's just it the story in that film. It's like things happen. It's kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean, not the first one, but like all the other ones that are just ridiculous. Ugh. Where. Gross. There is no reason for anything to happen in the film except to get to another set piece of action. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, things happen, but not for any real reason. It's just because they have to, because they that's what's in the script. Like, that's what the that's where the explosions are going to happen. So they gotcha. have to be there. But I think Bebop and Rocksteady are the high point for me. Krang is also great. Here's actually a thing about Krang. And, and Ig and I had talked about this before, and we were really excited about it. But turns out, this didn't happen. So there was a report that Fred Armisen was going to be voicing Krang yeah. in this film. And I got pretty excited about that, just because I thought that might be really interesting. But he's not the voice of Krang. He's not. It's uh, it's the guy from that show Till Death. Like, the, like I think he was in maybe Everyone Loves Raymond, too. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm skipping on the name right now. But he's in the show T- Till Death. Which I believe is, is that Brad Brad Garrett. Yeah, yeah, Brad Garrett. That sounds right. Yeah, so that guy is the voice of Krang. Um, 
Casey Jones, uh, Nylik, Stephen Amell, plenty. He's an Arrow, and he's really good as Arrow. Oh, that guy. Um, yeah. Didn't they didn't really give him a lot to do in this film, even as Casey Jones? So, also not super strong. I think if you want to see your childhood cow, uh, uh, Rocksteady and Bebop on the screen, and that really excites you, you should definitely. I see think it. that's all anyone that's all ever wanted out of a Ninja Turtles movie. Like Toka and Raza, yeah, they were cool, but they weren't Rock City. I remember Bebop. being disappointed as a kid. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, what? Who are yeah. these idiots? Like, who are these yeah. assholes? Which is a and weird they, thought to have as a ten-year-old or whatever. Yeah, but, that was totally disappointing because the the original Secret of the Ooze poster had two like monsters lurking in the background. You could see their shadows. Yep. And then you get to the movie, and it's not Bebop and Rocksteady. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that's and that's really the only reason I want to see this movie because I saw the first one, and yeah, it was kind of fun, but it wasn't. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it well, no, and that's and that's the crazy thing. I saw the first one too. Uh, again, took Bianca, and I went in with the lowest of low expectations, and I was surprised. I was like, this is actually pretty enjoyable. Like, it's not great cinema or anything, but yeah, it didn't feel like it was a waste of my time. And so I actually kind of had higher hopes for this one, and I was really excited about Rocksteady and Bebop especially. And in that sense, that was great. Like, they weren't disappointing. But somehow, for some reason, the story wasn't as engaging for me. And and uh, But I think it's worth it if you have a, a spot in your heart for a certain rhinoceros and a certain warthog, then you should see this film. Yeah, I think we all do. Um all right, man. Well, so moving on to other news of the last uh, week or so, uh, it got some uh, concept art from the, uh, n- of course, now defunct Spider-Man franchise, the Sam Raimi directed Spider-Man franchise from Spider-Man 4. Concept art was released on the Internet, and it shows some a couple of different scenes, sequences. One is a court uh, courthouse or courtroom sequence with Mysterio and we find out that Bruce Campbell of all people who had been in the other three Spider-Man Sam Raimi films of course Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi being really really good friends uh it turns out Bruce Campbell was going to be Mysterio which is pretty cool nice um and then we get another sequence with a lot of action beats with the vulture who was at that point rumored to be played by John Malkovich um so what was that? So that would have been nice. I that think would have been, been nice. Been, yeah. yeah, I think he definitely could have brought a lot of uh, gravitas to that role. Um, so you saw this. You, were you able to see? You saw the uh, the pictures, right? Oh yeah. Um, so so now obviously we got Spidey, super young Spidey in um, in Spider Man in Civil War, and then of course Spider Man Homecoming next year. And the rumor is is that. Uh, that uh, Michael Keaton's going to play the Vulture now. Do you think? Uh, do you think that maybe the releasing of this concept art was done on purpose by Sony and Marvel to show people, hey, this is kind of like what the Vulture was going to be like. Maybe we'll make this Vulture like this, and this is what you could be looking well, forward you to. Know, the Vulture can use all the PR he can because. Uh... <laughs> He's just not that exciting of a villain. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to Michael Keaton because uh, Michael Keaton can can breathe life in anything. Yeah. Uh, unless it's Jack Frost, that movie. Um, <laughs> oh, throwing but, daggers. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, yeah, I've never been excited about the Vulture. Whenever I never, you know, I owned a lot of toys as a kid. Yeah. I owned a lot of Spider-Man toys and X-Men toys and never once did I see a vulture toy and be like, yeah, I want that one. <laughs> so, so anything they can do to, uh, yeah, to, to strum up, uh, strum up uh, excitement about this movie is good. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll see what they do. It's so the reason I laugh is that, I mean, other than you've made some funny points is that Ig, Ig and I have talked about this off the air and that's exactly his reaction. He's like <laughs> a vulture. Yeah, I guess. Does anyone care? Does that no one cares that that's the villain? Like no one's gonna care, and maybe. But I think Michael Keaton. I think Michael Keaton's the right person. Like if they really did get Michael Keaton and that's who he's gonna play, then that's the best that they can do. And yeah. He, he, either he's gonna make it work, or it's just not even possible. Um, 
They're going to have to throw in, uh, you know, someone else into the mix. I don't think the Vulture can carry a movie by himself. (laughs) Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Maybe Maybe they... Craven or someone like that. That'd be nice. Yeah, or maybe even just have, like, a B-plot where you, like, you you sort of get introduced to Eddie Brock. You know, if Peter's supposed to be, like, a little 15-year-old kid or whatever, maybe Eddie is a college student yeah maybe if they did venom right that'd be nice yeah but not like maybe you don't actually see venom but you kind of start establishing eddie brock yeah and that character on its own and then maybe in the next film go venom that might be something they could do that way that way like you said vulture's not doing all the heavy lifting he's an old man he can't be lifting all that much stuff uh he can't be lifting a whole film um he just reminded me he's always reminded me of that looney tunes buzzard character like that's anytime I saw him, I was like, "Well, that's that's what they're going for. That's supposed to be menacing." All right. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be. I mean, again, if anyone can uh, can really give that character life, it's gonna be Michael Keaton. So, you know, that's either gonna that's either gonna work or it's not. Um, by the way, I think I floated this out there before, but let me. I want to know what your thoughts are on this. Uh, Brian Cranston. As Norman Osborn. Oh, yeah, that's good. Right? Oh, yeah. Delicious. Also, also, actually, now that we're talking about Eddie Brock, and maybe this, this actor is a little too old if you're going to make him play college age, but Oscar Isaac is Eddie Brock. Uh, yeah, I guess that could work. I've always thought of Eddie Brock as more of like a... a big menacing guy? Yeah, kind of a big uh, uh, Hulk. Hulk monkey monkey guy. Yeah, actually, Ig uh, Ig was telling me again off air that the wrestler Sheamus, the guy who plays Rocksteady in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, okay. Apparently, yeah. he got interviewed or something uh, by I don't know TMZ or I don't know someone, and he was just basically throwing it out there like, you know, you know, Topher Grace tried, but come on, Topher Grace is no Eddie Brock. He's like, I could be Eddie Brock, you know, like Topher Grace would have been much better as the like another spider-man that's that was yeah he would have been good as peter parker yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah i i get it i just think that oscar isaac could can really play the like mental anguish part of eddie brock like i think okay yeah that really well but i i know what you mean in terms of the physicality i don't know how they would do it um all right man well you get to be part of something that i'm always super happy to be a part of and I know Ig is uh, really missing out on and sad that he's missing out on this week. But we are going to take a trip to our favorite place to go to. I'm, of course, talking about Casting Corner. And this week on Casting Corner, we've got some pretty great speculative casting news. There's also a couple of confirms. but some You little- know, every time you sing Casting Corner, I think it just sounds like um, the intro to that sitcom, Sister, Sister. Okay, I think somebody else has brought that to my attention. I didn't mean to do that. It's probably like a subconscious thing, but uh, I'm keeping it. I'm not going to change it. Well, I mean, Sister Sister was uh, at least in the top 60% of all-time TGIF shows. Yeah, so. I mean, that's if, if I'm barring from that pedigree, I think it's fine. I think it all right. holds up. Casting Corner. Oh, geez. All yeah. right. So the, some of the rumored news, two really big kind of heavy-hitting pieces that we've got, is that Brie Larson, Brie Larson, who is kind of like the female Oscar Isaac right now, like she's just crushing it. Anything she does is critically uh, lauded, and and she's also like in uh, things that, that do really well financially. She got an Oscar for the uh, Room. Um, she was in Scott Pilgrim, which is in uh, like a like a cult darling film. Um, she's being rumored to be in negotiations right now with Marvel studios to play captain Marvel, um, which is pretty big, pretty yeah. big. again, Marvel, again, I talk about this all the time, but Marvel has such a great track record with their casting. Um, that if they got Brie Larson from Captain Marvel, I mean, that's perfect for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know any other actress right now that could would be as hot just to step right into a role of a character that a lot of people really don't know about. I've got one for you, but there's no way she does it. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. 
It's just the only other one that I can think of. Because people were talking about Ronda Rousey, and I'm like, no. That's... Okay, if you've seen, I've seen the Fast and the Furious movie that she's in. And look, Ronda's a good MMA fighter, a great MMA fighter, except I guess against um, Holly Holm. But uh, she's not an actress. Maybe someday she will be, and she will get better over time. But man, not now, not even yeah. close. And get her to play She-Hulk. Yeah, or like Tigra or something. Like just lower down on the totem pole. Captain Marvel in a solo film especially, you got to have somebody that can actually act in the film. And so yeah, or, else you're, or else you're just making Kazam. Ooh. Oh, throwing haymakers. But no, you're <laughs> not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, so I, it sounds like you're on board. I'm on board. I honestly can't, again, other than Jennifer Lawrence, can't think of anyone else that would be more well-suited for this. Um, I would love to see it. And if Marvel gets it done, which they almost always do, another you know tip of the hat to uh, to Marvel Studios and their casting ability. Because they... Like Chadwick Boseman, man, is, is Black Panther? Wow. Yeah, that's so good. good. So, I mean, Tom Holland is Peter Parker in Spider-Man. Like, nailed it. Like... Could not have nailed it harder. Um, keeping along with the Marvel theme, and <laughs> oh man, I know the fangirl is going to go crazy about this. Uh, so this is this is pretty recent, but Norman Reedus, Daryl Dixon himself of Walking uh. Dead, has gone on record and said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll be Ghost Rider." Okay, let's not get too excited. First off. We don't need another Ghost Rider movie. Okay, I agree. But if they want to put him into the Doctor Strange universe, then all right. Or maybe a Netflix. Maybe bring him into uh, Netflix. He does do well on the small screen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I just don't. I don't know if they can re reignite. No pun intended. Oh, are you that sure? Franchise. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they can reignite that franchise. At least. Um, I don't think it's priority with as much as many movies as they have slated up. Um, but yeah, maybe a TV a Netflix thing or, or just slip them into the Dr. Strange universe. Uh, that might work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not like, I understand he has this huge following. I, I sort of don't get it sometimes, but um, you know, like, like, well, you know, it's the same people who really like Metallica all these years later, you know, some, there's just, there's just people who like that, you know, they, they like cool, metal fiery stuff <laughs> he does look like johnny blaze i think he, yeah. he actually does look like him so i should work out i'm i'm for it i know i mean especially with the popularity that he has as a as a actor um from boondock sakes and uh, boondock boondock saints and walking dead uh i can talk and it'll you know i think that'll carry over so they might look in that direction It'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah no, so, Norman Norman Reedus is a he's an awesome actor, and he seems like a really good dude. On top of it, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, any more Norman Reedus in our lives is a good thing, and you know, hopefully, he's not moving on because they he's the one that got Ooh, killed, right? Yeah, but, with the uh, with Negan yeah. and the Walking Dead, that whole thing. Hopefully, that's the not the case. Yeah, the whole fiasco with the season-ending cliffhanger and all that. Uh, so one of the little bit of casting news is that what's well, not little, literally, because it's The Rock. Uh, he's going to play Doc Savage. Now, Doc Savage is like a comic pulp hero from, I believe, like the 40s. He's kind of like an Indiana Jones type, uh, like a predates G.I. Joe, but kind of like that, like an adventurer dude. Okay. Um, I don't know, honestly, that much about Doc Savage, but it, based on that description, I think The Rock would be perfect for it. Uh, the Rock has done a great job of, like, again... Someone maybe Ronda Rousey could look up to. He's developed some acting skills over the years. Oh no, he's, yeah, he's a he's a decent actor now. So, um, so I think yeah. he could do it. I think he could totally do it. If he's playing an Indiana Jones type character, do you think that his short round will be Kevin Hart? <laughs> That's not bad. I mean, they're coming out with that movie. Yeah, are they the they're next? Definitely... Uh, are they the next Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor? Ooh, duo? maybe. Maybe, you know, so whatever, whatever you think of that movie, I think it's called Central Intelligence. That movie's going to make so much money. Oh, it's going to make a it's, killing. It's going to make so much money. 
yeah. shit, it makes so much money, and they're going to try to pair Rock and, and Kevin Hart so like as many times as they can. You know, as much as CGI has come along, um, that I've seen, the, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for that movie, but the CGI of him singing in the shower, that really just harkens back to like the end of the Scorpion King or the Mummy, whenever the Rock's face was superimposed Super on that. Super on the uh, Scorpion thing? Yeah. yeah. It's like that all over again, just on a fat child singing in a shower. Wow. It's really horrifying that the whole, that whole scene, um. I don't want to see that movie just because I don't want to look at that. Yeah. What if there's an extended cut where that scene's just like 10 minutes? Oh, geez. I mean, it could happen. Um, all right, man. Well, we're, we're, we're jumping out of casting corner. It was, as always, nice to stop by a little cup of coffee and maybe a slice of pie. Um, we'll see you next time, Casting Corner. Casting Corner. All right. Okay. And we're going to jump into a segment that is kind of infrequent here on the podcast but we do come back to it every now and again it's the comic cove and yeah that's us falling down a cove and uh so two kind of pivotal comics came out uh in the last couple of weeks uh one of which is civil war 2 number one so civil war 2 number one um aka marvel giant cash grab yeah. Because of the movie. But here's the thing. I read it. You read it. It's actually pretty good. It has everything that I like. I don't read comics very much, by the way. But it has everything I like about comics. It has a shit ton of characters that you don't really know who's who. But you they, you know they look cool. Uh, it's got a, a nice uh, team fights. It's got a nice... Uh, back and forth between team members and then uh it's got a nice death or two so it's pretty much me not being a, a guy who reads comics very often to jump yeah. back into that one it's like oh yeah this is i remember this is exactly why i do like comics when i do read them yeah no it, it is i was really surprised because i thought it was going to be just some kind of retread like okay this is an obvious cash grab i mean i don't blame them i get it but like come on but no, it's pretty compelling story. They set it up really well. There's high stakes. The the art's great. The writing is good. The dialogue is good. It's actually pretty great. And uh, I'm actually, out of the gate, I'm already a little more excited about where this is going versus the, uh, the uh, Secret Wars thing that came out before, um, which was, I guess, last year, really, um, which took forever because they had all those delays, but... Um, Secret Wars is pretty cool, but I'm actually more excited about this. This seems a lot tighter uh, of a story. Um, so the other comic that came out was uh, Action Comics came out, and it's in the aftermath of this DC re rebirth thing. And if you're not familiar with that, um, basically DC is resetting their universe uh, again. Okay. I'm sorry about that. I said again. Again, yes. And yeah, they just did it back in 2011. They did. They had the new 52. Um, they're doing it again, but this time, uh, spoilers, I guess, but it's all over the internet. Uh, the Watchmen are involved, which is kind of crazy. Like that's that's, a, that's pretty intriguing because Watchmen is one of the the few comics that I've developed a very hard. Well, I mean, a lot of people have, but personally, myself. One of the few comics other than X-Men that I developed a very hardcore fan base for. Yeah, an affinity for, right? Like a devotion to. Yeah. And and the thing is, Watchmen and I would argue I get Frank Miller's Batman Return or Dark Knight Returns. Those are the two comics that you tell people who don't read comics to read, right? Yes. To to show them, hey, look, there's real substance here. And yeah. this is on par with anything from George Orwell or Aldous Huxley or, you know... Um, Whoever. I believe, was, uh, I believe yeah. the Watchmen, uh, the the run is, it's on the list of top one hundred novels of all time. There you go, and it yeah. should be. It really should be. It it is masterful. It's a masterpiece. Um, but yeah, to 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 tilt their universe, to to incorporate the Watchmen, which has always been separate, its own separate thing. Uh, 
That's interesting. That's definitely intriguing. Now, whether they they pull it off or they bumble it up, I don't know. But going back to the Superman thing, so what ends up happening more than anything, I it's too convoluted for me to really get into into detail here on the podcast. But at the end of the comic, the the big reveal again is spoilers. Uh, Superman uh, is dead. Their Superman, the New Fifty Two Superman, is dead. Our Superman, the one that we grew up with in the 80s and 90s that fought Doomsday and died and all of that stuff, which was pretty big Superman storyline, is back. He's alive. He's in this other universe. He, Lois is there. They have a kid. Kid is like seven years old. But here's the thing. Last page, Doomsday is back. Oh, he's back. The original Doomsday is back as well. And Superman's like, oh, shit. Like, he literally is like, oh, shit. And so uh, this is what I want to ask you. I know you're not a big comic book reader. I know you're familiar with the Death of Superman storyline. Yeah. How do you feel about what DC is doing just off of what I've told you? Like, does is it good that they're kind of going back to this 80s, 90s Superman stuff where it's kind of nostalgic and maybe they're taking a new direction? Do you think it's a retread? Is Superman just played out? Is it impossible to make him interesting at this point? What do you think? Well, here's the thing. I don't like Superman. Okay. And so you, hate, time, you hate truth, justice, and the American way. I just think he's, uh, he's, 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 a, he's part of a bygone era. I think our heroes nowadays are need to be have a little more complex complexity to him mm-hmm. uh i just felt like he was always he's he's the baseline superhero he's what you start with and then you build off of it right um however the only time i did get intrigued with superman was when i was a kid and they said he died and doomsday i read all those books i read the follow-ups with the uh the four supermen that came out after that mm-hmm and you know what? For another generation, this might be. I'm not saying they're going to kill him, but uh, this this could be what 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 Superman needs, uh, right. especially after you know, people are kind of giving up on the character after the Batman versus Superman movie. Yeah. Um. You know, this could get old readers to give it a look again, and might give new readers uh, a reason to pick it up. Um. But really, you know. Superman's just never been my my thing, um, less so than even other comics. But you know, good for them. Whatever they need to do to try to get him some uh, some interest, some traction. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good point, and I think you might be right. I think that even if it does pick up, it's probably going to be a kind of short lived. At the same time, Superman as a character is sort of indestructible. He's so important to popular culture, American culture, American history. That he'll never be gone fully, you know, but to truly be relevant, I think that's the difficult task. And yeah, he's, he's um, not relevant. He hasn't been relevant for a long time, I think. Yeah, I, I, I definitely could see that perspective. You know, it's kind of funny. And this actually is a good segue because Marvel is doing something very, very radical with their kind of Superman character, which is Captain America. Now, I think what. In the movie side, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has shown that, yeah, you can tell stories about Captain America that are super compelling, interesting, and people will care about the character. And, hey, man, Chris Evans is, is killing it, too. Like, that's a big part of it. But but you can take these older characters with these sort of uh, established old traditional values and be able to tell stories with them that are actually good, uh, that will keep people engaged. And on that note, Marvel has decided to go ahead and take all of that and give it the big middle finger because, uh, and this is a spoilers for Captain America number one uh, that, that came out recently, uh, Steve Rogers is revealed to have been a secret Hydra agent the entire time. It was all a dream. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's. Uh, uh, I, I mean, obviously, this isn't permanent. There's no way they're going to just keep it this way. Like, there's there's a point to this. They're, they're telling like a, a story, of course. Double agenting. He's a double agent for the double agent. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with this. Uh, I really think anything right now is speculation. And I think it's hard to actually kind of grasp what this would mean, like the repercussions as far as – because I'm not – he's Captain America. He's a leader of the Avengers. You know, it's – yeah. 
Like, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with this. He, uh, he's a character that literally, like, very literally inspired young men to join the service. And the whole time he's been a, a big like, jerk. Yeah, big old Nazi supporter through the uh, through the Hydra there. That's, uh... I don't know. This could be this could be the next uh, Scarlet Spider, uh, for all oh, we know. Man, uh, why did you have to bring that up? I I kind of watched that from my memory, and then every yeah. now and again it gets poked back in. I'm like, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's like never, a bad dream. Never forget. That's all I'm saying. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's on the level of 9/11 for sure. Uh, yeah. No, it's not. I'm joking. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously though, I think it's a story that they're going to tell. I, the, the weird thing is, like, the writers, the Marvel, uh, you know, the editors, they're getting death threats, okay? They have security detail on the writer of Captain America right now because he's... he's that getting, seems a bit much. Which is like, come on, fans, just chill out, okay? They're telling a story. It, it's yeah. not, obviously, it's not going to stick that way. Okay, they killed Captain America. He was dead for two years. He came back. It's fine. They killed Superman. He was dead for eight months. He came back. It's fine. Just, just chill out. Spider-Man was a, Spider-Man was a clone. Say, are you trying to say nerds are, can be irrational people? Never. Never say that. Yes, I'm exactly saying that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, okay. Moving out of Comic, comic Cove. Uh, we'll just w- wrap it up with some quick hits here. Um, Mel Gibson. Actually, this probably could have been cast corner. Mel Gibson apparently turned down the role of Odin in Thor. The movie Thor. What do, what do you think about that? Obviously, they ended up going with um, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, yeah, Anthony Hopkins did a good job. That's just another uh, of many missteps for Mr. Gibson. Yes. And, uh, True. you know, I think if anyone can be a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, you just got to jump on board. It seems like that's what all the actors are doing now, too, right? Like, that's why Brie yeah. Larson's like, yeah, I'll do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Because like, it's, it's such a cash cow. Yeah. And uh but that's great though cuz it's they're getting like real talent too. It's not like it's not Shaq playing Superman, you know? <laughs> so um and then uh, a couple of other things. Uh Star Wars Rogue One, which I was a really big fan of the trailer that came out. I thought it looked great. Uh the Gareth Edwards directed Star Wars Rogue One apparently getting some really big reshoots and uh some of the speculation is up to 40% of the film is going to be reshot. What do you think this is necessary? Well, well, let's, let's all not forget the Phantom Menace and, uh, you know, just because it has a star Wars label on it doesn't mean it's, it's bulletproof. That's true. I think with all the star Wars movies coming out over the next decade, uh, there's going to be some clunkers and maybe this one isn't, maybe this one will be great. But I think uh, the level of expectation that that a Force Awakens put on everybody is going to be not met. Right. Uh, so you know what? Yeah, another new Star Wars movie. It's cool. Uh, I think we're going to get fatigued pretty quick with one coming out every year, and um, you know this might just be the early signs of that. So you think it's already like even just with the second movie out of the gate. Um... I think that's a valid point. I think it sounds like they're nervous. I think if they're trying to set the expectation based off Force Awakens, you can't do that. No, you shouldn't do that. You should you should save the big expectation for the next Star Wars movie. The, right. The next Episode, what, eight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah this, this should be... Uh, I'm not saying makeup. This should be the Ant Man to the Avengers. Yes, like, this exactly. is, there you this go. Is... That's 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 what I was trying to get at. Right. You want to make a good movie, but you you don't. You know, this isn't you, not everyone. Not everything is vested on this. <laughs> You're not going to hit a billion dollars every time. You want to yeah. hit a billion on Avengers. Oh no, they want to for sure. Yeah. Well, they, I know they, they want to, but but you, you know, you hit a billion on Avengers. You hit a you <laughs> you want to hit a billion on BVS. Oh man, it didn't even make a billion dollars. That is Warner Brothers. What are y'all doing? Um, but those are the films you want to make a billion dollars on, right? Yeah. But like, if you're making these kind of anthology films in between the big temple ones, then yeah, you should have adjusted expectation. There should there should be room for the Ant Man type films in the world, Doctor Strange, that kind of stuff. Even in the Star Wars universe, if that's what they're trying to do. Um, all right, last bit of news. 
Suicide Squad, the next big film from DC um, Cinematic from Warner Brothers. I'm really, I'm really, I'm really excited for Suicide Squad. Me by too. The way. Me too. I just, I like team movies. I like interesting characters. I don't know a whole lot about. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this one. This could be their Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly. And, and that would be great. I mean that in the highest, utmost compliment that I can can give them. Uh, I also feel like maybe this film should have come out before BVS. This film, to me, has more positive momentum and less crazy expectation for it than BVS did. And um, but we get we found out we find out now that the the MPAA has officially rated it PG thirteen. It is going That's to be a PG-13 film, which is fine. Yeah, that is also totally fine. You're going to get a larger audience that way. The reason this is important, though, is that, you know, obviously they did a lot of reshoots, and people were speculating that maybe part of the reason they were doing the reshoots is because Deadpool, as a rated R film, did so well, broke all these records, that maybe they were doing reshoots to make the film more violent, darker, edgier, bring it to a rated R, and kind of capitalize on the Deadpool uh, stuff. I'm really glad that that's not what happened because Warner Brothers has a habit of being reactionary to things and over, you know, over hedging, overcorrecting, overcorrecting, right, overcorrecting and just kind of, you know, making a muck of everything. And they didn't. They didn't this time. So great. And I am looking forward to this film. I really, really hope that it is going to be the film that actually gets the DC Cinematic Universe going and makes people excited and, you know, wanting more films and so on. Um, as much as I love all the Marvel films, and I really have enjoyed pretty much all of them top to bottom, it doesn't hurt to have competition that's actually competent as well, um, you know, to play off of them. But what do you, so what do you think? Do you think PG-13 is all right versus the rated R? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't want gratuitous violence for gratuitous violence sake. And I think they can still fit a lot in with PG-13. Um, you know, I, I really don't know what to expect from this movie. I just know that uh, it looks cool. And I want to see it. So I'd rather – I'm glad that they're not just reshooting just to uh, just to pigeonhole into this whatever mold that Deadpool has, has uh, made. Um, you know, if they, as long as they stick to what they originally thought they were was, would work, uh, that sounds good to me. Cool. Well, I think that wraps up the kind of pod portion of what we're doing this week. But I did want to give you, James, a moment to kind of talk about you are a comedian. So uh, and you're up in Portland, Oregon now. Uh, How is the scene different in Portland versus in Texas and specifically in San Antonio where you were you're kind of based out of for your early comedic career? Um, It's it's quite different. there in San Antonio, where I started, there was maybe 60 comics doing, you know, more or less trying to do it seriously. Right. In Portland, there's maybe 200. You know, wow. there's just, yeah, it's just, <clears throat> and plus there's, there's just venues everywhere. Every night of the week, you can find someplace to do comedy. Wow. And then there's, you know, we just had the Bridgetown Comedy Festival here. So there's industry coming through town. Um, you know, this is how it's it's places like this where you can actually be seen, maybe picked up for a, uh, a festival or even a TV spot. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, the 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 opportunity I hear is, is a lot greater uh, uh, right now. I'm going to be next show. I'm performing in the funniest in Portland competition, which will be uh, my night will be June 23rd at 7 p.m. Competing. Uh, this is just for the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't even all the people who have either moved past competitions or decided not to sign up. There's over 160 contestants wow. just for the competition. Yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds like there's a there's got to be quite a few gems in that field then, and, and oh, yeah. I, of course, wish you the best of luck. Um, do, do you now? I know uh, in Portland, it's obviously a little different than, especially here in Saint where you've developed uh, you developed a fan base, you developed. Um, you know, kind of weekly spots where you had here. Um, and I know, of course, there are open mics and things like that in Portland as well. Obviously, there, there probably would be. Uh, do you have, uh, beyond the, the competition, are there any uh, shows or showcases that you're going to be on that you want to let any of the listeners know about? We uh, definitely yeah, have sure. listeners all over the country. So, 
Yeah, uh, June or I'm sorry, July twentieth. Um, I'm gonna be on Earthquake Hurricane, which is uh, one of the big showcases here in town. It's run by Curtis Cook, uh, Amy or not Amy Miller, uh, Curtis Cook, Bree Pruitt, and Anthony Lopez and Alex Falcone, who are all very well accomplished. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I know some yeah. of those people. Yeah, Curtis Cook, I think, is going to be uh, – he, he actually just left town. He's going to be – he will be on Comedy Central soon enough. Like he's he's just like a rocket ship. That guy's going to do big things, that kid. <laughs> he's 24 years old, which uh, makes me hate him. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll be on Earthquake Hurricane July 20th. That's going to be at Velo Colts here in Portland, Oregon. And then, uh, yes, that's the next big one I got coming up. What I do about, small What about the, uh, the funniest in Portland competition? Where's that going to be at? Is that... Oh, yeah, that'll be at Helium Comedy Club. And you said uh, that was June? Uh, June 23rd, 7 p.m. All right. All right. So if anyone is out there or visiting Portland, Oregon in late uh, June or July, you know where you can uh, catch James throw his jokes around. Uh but uh, anything else you wanted to say to the listeners of, of comic book characters uh, before you bid adieu? Uh, stop buying so much stupid shit. Me? Everyone. Or just everyone? I saw that they're making a, another uh, Transformers Blu-ray, the original movie, like the <laughs> old school one. Right, okay, yeah. Like, how many of these do we need? How many, how many copies of Transformers, the original cartoon movie, do you need? Before it's enough. That's all I'm saying. Stop buying so much shit. Oh, man. So funny because Egg uh, off the air had some very similar comments to make about that. It's good. It's good. He's going to love that. All right. Well, thank you so much, James, for coming on this week and guest co-hosting with me. I'm always a pleasure. And, um, I mean, I know you're on Facebook and stuff. You have a you have a comedy. Uh, you have your page set up for your comedy. Do you have Twitter? Do you do Twitter? I do Twitter minimally, but anytime I get a good short joke, I'll throw it on there. Okay, where do, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, it'll be at James Bosquez, J A M E S B O S Q U E Z. All right, that's a that's a, so if you... strange name. Ah, it's not strange. Not here. Maybe there. Tell you, man, Jimmy Woods or James Woods. That's what you should go by. James Woods, James Woods would be nice. Uh, I think I might do that. Um, but yeah, and of course, if you want to catch comic book characters, see what we're up to, you can always get us at CB Characters on Twitter or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Neil Before Pod. Until then, as Ig would say, the fortress of potitude is closed. Everyone stay super. Take care. Later. Later. <laughs>